you want to turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Galatians, chapter number 5. We're going to begin reading in just a moment in verse number 1, and we're going to read about 13 verses. And I want to talk to you today about freedom isn't free. Freedom isn't free. As we begin reading here this morning in Galatians chapter 5 in verse number 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ hath made us free. And do not be entangled again. Everybody say again. With a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say unto you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. If you have become estranged from Christ, you who attempted to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything. But faith worketh through love. You did, or I'm sorry, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish for those who trouble you were even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. We'll read that again. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty for an opportunity of the flesh. But through love serve one another. You see, this is the July 4th weekend. This is July the 5th and we celebrate what? Freedom. Everybody say freedom. And so this holiday gives us freedom. We have the right to shoot fireworks. Just not supposed to do it at the city limits. But apparently nobody got the memo. Because every time last night I was about, it was, I don't know, midnight or so, I was still, I'd go to sleep. And by the time I'd go to sleep, it felt like somebody right, right outside my window. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> In the text today, we look and see this word liberty. In the Greek, that means to go free. It speaks of someone who has been restrained or someone who has been in bondage and now then they have been set free. If you've ever been in bondage, if you've ever been uh, ensnared or tied up or tangled up in in sin or in anything or, or maybe you were in jail and you know what it means to be set free. Oh, you have a picture of this word liberty to go free. If someone has been set free. So this word freedom, amen, we could use in Galatians here. But there's one thing wrong with the word freedom. And as America sees this word freedom, it has the word free 
in it. And so people, young people, are being, they're grazing up thinking that everything's free. I don't have to work for nothing. Mom and dad should just give me everything I want. The government should just give me anything I want and I need. I shouldn't have to suffer. I shouldn't have to work. I shouldn't have to be put out. I shouldn't have to be inconvenienced because it's free. Freedom is not free. It costs something. If you think that the freedom we enjoy today to come and sit in this house and worship came free, you're wrong. Somebody paid a price for your freedom. Somebody paid a right, I mean, a, a price for you to have the right to do what you want to do. It wasn't free. You see, in 1215, King John of England was forced to give up some of his powers. He conceded liberties to the people through the Magna Carta. The British Bill of Rights in 1689 provided the civil rights of the people and political supremacy to Parliament. Our nation's liberty was proclaimed in the Declaration of Independence on July the 4th, when? 1776. President Lincoln freed the slaves with the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. The people of Iraq were free from the the dictator Saddam Hussein. Every one of those wars, every one of those uh, times people came together and stood up and said, we're going to fight for freedom. It cost a great price. None of those victories for freedom came Without a high price. You see freedom is no cheap thing. In all wars of freedom in history. People have paid the ultimate price. Those who loved them. Paid a price. Of grief. And loss. So today we come and we talk about. Freedom is not free. Paul declared. Be not entangled again. Because see, all the law, you're either going to have to live by the law or you're going to have to live by grace. And so Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. And so some of the Jews, the, the, the Gentiles now received the gospel. The Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles. And they said, what do we need to do? Well, there was some Jews that came to them and said, okay. Now, this, this, this receiving Jesus is good, but uh, I also, you need to do some of this other stuff. Because, see, we had to do it. We had to keep the law. We had to be circumcised. We had to go through all these rituals. But now Jesus has come along, and he has fulfilled all the law. And now I know we're living under grace, but we think y'all ought to do some of this stuff we had to do. And now Paul has to step in and say, no, 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 wait a minute. It's just grace. It's just Jesus. Jesus is the one who has set you free. You don't have to. It's not about circumcision or uncircumcision. It's not about the law. If you're going to try to keep the law, if you're going to have to do that one point, then you're going to have to keep every bit of it. But the problem is, no one had ever been able to keep it. You see, the law was given to show man they needed a Savior. The law is perfect. And we are... 
not. <laughs> Imperfect. You're right. So, so if you, people say, well, I've got to keep the law and I've got to do this and that. Okay, you get born again. And I'm telling you, you get saved, you come to Christ, and you get all excited. There's going to be somebody come along and start telling you what you can and can't do. And every church has a different version of it. There's some churches that say you can only wear long sleeve shirts. There's some that say you have to wear ties. There's some that you're gonna have to, you gotta do this, you gotta you gotta dress this way, you gotta dress this way, you gotta look this way, you gotta wear makeup, can't wear makeup, can't have this, you can't have that, you can't have this, can't have that. And you're like, whoa, what do I do? Jesus has set you free from the law. Far by grace are you saved. It's not what you can do or what you can't do. It's what He did. Stop letting people put condemnation and the law. Listen, we can't keep the law. We're going to fail. We're going to sin. But because we live under grace, do we use it as an occasion to say, well, I'm free to do whatever I want to. God forbid. We'll talk about that. You see, the price of freedom is personal sacrifice. Everybody say personal sacrifice. Galatians chapter 1 says, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free. So how did Jesus give us the liberty? John 8 says, Therefore the Son of Man shall make you free. You shall be free indeed. Romans 6.22, Now having been set free from sin and having become slaves to God, you have fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Colossians 1, 19, and it says, this is what Jesus said, for it pleased the Father that in Him all fullness shall dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. You see, I have peace with God, not because of what I can do. It's because of what Jesus has done. I have peace with God because Jesus is my mediator. And he stands between me and God. And amen, his blood has set me free. Our freedom came at the expense of God's only son. Fifty-three men signed the Declaration of Independence. Have you ever wondered what price they paid for signing that? I'll tell you about a few today. Francis Lewis was born in Wales, 1713. He lost both of his parents at the age of four and was raised by a maiden aunt. When he was 21, Lewis collected the inheritance left by his father and sailed to New York City. Arriving in 1735, he became involved in cargo shipping and foreign trade. He married married Elizabeth Ansley, and they had seven children. Lewis was an enterprising merchant. He retired from business at the age of 52, one of the wealthiest men in New York. Lewis entered politics at 1774. He was considered one of New York's leading radicals and among the first to join the association called the Sons of Liberty. He was also selected as the delegate to the Second Continental Congress, as was known for his independent and patriotic character. Lewis at first preferred making peace with England. But once he was convinced of the advantage of complete separation from Great Britain, he became a strong advocate for independence. And in 1775, Lewis moved his family and belongings in his state 
to, the, the, uh, to Long Island. This proved to be an unfortunate step. Soon after signing the declaration, British soldiers destroyed his home. The extensive library and valuable papers were destroyed. They were not content on just his ruin of his property. They wanted revenge on the man who signed the paper proclaiming independence for America. His wife was taken prisoner and was held for several months. She was confined without the comfort of a bed or a change of clothes. She was later returned, but the stressful experience was too much for her. And she died a year later after her release. Lewis' later days were spent in poverty, his fortune being lost in war. Lewis died in 1882 at the age of 89. You see, freedom is precious. Freedom is a blessing. Freedom is worth fighting for. But freedom is not free. When you decide to stand up for what's right, amen, and put your name on something, declaring the enemy is going to come after you with all he's worth. You see, to enjoy and to keep our freedom, there's a price that we've got to pay. The price for freedom is our perpetual vigilance. We've got to keep fighting for freedom. You say, well, we're free. What do we need to do? Freedom is fragile. What was won through a hard fight can easily be lost. What took an effort to obtain takes only a careless lack of concern to lose. Historian John Gibbon said this. The first warning of Rome's ruin was not in the hostile armies mobilizing against her, but in the feasting and boasting and riotous living in her capital. Sound familiar? So if we lose our freedom in America, it won't be because a foreign country took it. It'll be because we let it slip away from us. Because we weren't vigilant in fighting to keep our freedom. Because we thought, it's free. I don't need to do anything for it. What do we need to be looking for? In the concern of our freedom. Number one, just just humor me. And see if you see all of these things that they say to look for in countries that are about to lose their freedom. And see if you see any of these things in America. I don't know if you can see any, but we might. Number one, a lack of the reverence of God. Hmm. When Samaria fell to the Assyrians... It was because they forgot God and worshipped idols. 2 Kings 17 says, For for so it was that the children of Israel sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and they feared other gods. When America forgets in God we trust, we've tried to take it out of the everything. We don't want to talk about God. Don't mention God. Now God is an offense. When you begin a lack of reverence for God, you begin to lose your freedom. Here's some other warning signs. A low estimation of human life. We murder millions and millions and millions of babies because we don't value human life. Disregard for Christian values. 
This nation was founded on Christian values. Our forefathers simply said, the Bible will always be the guide. Many of them said, it will be used in the schools, it will be used in government. It is the foundation by which we live. Yet today, they don't want to have anything to do with the Word of God. It's outdated. It's an offense. It's old. It 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 has no place today in society. The Word of God, Christian values. It's been stated that we're not a Christian country. Another sign is profit ahead of integrity. I don't think we see that in America very much, do we? People more concerned about making money than they are about doing the right thing. Self-indulgence instead of self-control. I mean, everybody's pretty much controlling themselves nowadays, aren't they? Tolerance of evil and perversion in the name of broad-mindedness and sensitivity. You see... These things have been set out way long ago. And in all nations, countries, they look, at, they look at these guides and they say, when these things begin to happen, a nation's in jeopardy of losing their freedom. America is in jeopardy. Listen to the words of wisdom from Daniel Webster. God grants liberty only to those who love it. And are always ready to guard and defend it. Do you love liberty? Are you ready to guard and defend it? Are you ready to stand up for right? And to say right is right and wrong is wrong. And I'm going to stand on the side of right. What can we do? What are some specific things that we can do as Americans to continue to, to see that our freedom continues? Well, number one, we need to practice good citizenship. (laughs) Be a good citizen. Listen, revival starts where? With me. I can tell everybody, I can fuss and fight about everybody else not acting right. But if I'm not acting right, listen, I'm I'm still in control of me, of my family, of my children. Of our death. I mean, I still can leave a legacy. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. I still pray in my house. The Word of God still has credibility in my house. Huh? I still believe in, in, in morality and we believe in what's right. So listen, just because the world doesn't, that doesn't matter. We're not in the world. We're not of the world. This world is not our home. Heaven is our home. Listen, we live in the world and we are supposed to be a light to the world. But I still control my little world. So, I have to be a good citizen. I have to do what's right. I have to be honest and I have to work hard and I have to be obedient to our laws. Because if you're not obedient to our laws, what happens? See, something's not being obedient right now. When you're not obedient to the law, little blue lights and red lights get behind you. Oh, man, they were so many policemen out this weekend and they were just looking for someone going a little bit over the speed limit yes and me and brother Josh both got invited to the policeman's ball <laughs> I text Josh and I said I just got, I just got stopped pray he, apparently he didn't pray hard enough 
I got a ticket. And then about 30 minutes later, he said, don't feel bad. I just got stopped and got one too. <laughs> I said, well, you should have been smart enough after I told you I got stopped to be, be watching. I'm sorry I told all your business. <laughs> Number two, we got to exercise our right to vote. We live in a country to where we still can vote. A lot of countries, they don't get to vote. You just do what they say. We live in a country where we still have the right to vote, but the Christian vote is so small, it's mind-boggling. We're upset, we're mad, we get angry because things are not going the way we like them. But then when it comes time to vote, we stay home. We say the majority of Americans still believe in in God. They still believe in right and wrong. But what's the problem? Because they don't take their given right to vote. Vote. When it comes voting time, you know, we, 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 never, we don't tell you who to vote for. We give you both sides. We tell you to pray. But I'm telling you, you need to vote right. You need to vote the Word of God and you need to vote for the... Listen, we, I, we live in a, in a world right now to where it's kind of... Who's the least evil? <laughs> There's nobody out there that's just so good. Either side is just, just kind of corrupt and whatever, but we still got to stand with those who stand for the most right. So you got to pray and you got to search and you got to look and you got to use your right to vote. Vote your conscience, not your pocketbook. Amen? You got to learn to express yourself. Call your representatives. Call people and say, you know what? Write them a letter and say, hey, listen, you, I, I elected you. You don't vote right. I'll kick you out. And we got to follow biblical instruction. What did the Bible says? Pray for our leaders. Pray for those who have rule over us. Amen. Yeah, you, I, I'm sure you complain about the president, but how much do you pray for him? Pray for those who have rule over you. Pray for our leaders. Pray for the House. Pray for the Senate. Pray for our state legislators. Pray for our governors. Pray for people that have rule over us because they're making laws that affect us and we need to pray that the Lord will help them make the right decision. So let's grab less and pray more. Amen? Somebody said, but I like to grab. Pray more. Grab less. And refuse to compromise, even a little, in your morals and your ethics and your the matter of godly conscience, even a little. The Bible says a little yeast, just a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. Just a little bit messes the whole thing up. So we've got to do what's right. Can I get an amen? amen. Number six, there's what the Bible says in Psalms 30. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. That is why that we need time to make sure that we're standing for right. That when people make rules, America was founded on in God we trust. It was founded on the principles of the Bible. It was founded on prayer. It was founded amen, on men and women of God who wanted freedom to worship as they saw fit. But those rights are being taken one by one by one. 
You see, what applies to nat- national freedom in America also applies to our spiritual freedom. Matthew says, keep alert and pray, otherwise temptation will overpower you. For the spirit is willing, but the body's weak. First Peter says, be careful, watch out for attacks of the devil. He goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Hebrews says, we must listen very carefully to the truth, or we'll drift away from it. John Hart was born in New Jersey, 1713. He was a farmer. He acquired 380 acres of his own, including gristmills, and married a beautiful girl in 1739. He had 13 children in 1765. On the passage of the Stamp Act, he was one of the first to recognize the tyrannical character of the measuring. So in 1776, he was elected to the delegate of the Second Continental Congress, and he signed the Declaration of Independence in early August. After signing the declaration, Hart's life was one of tragic loss. Shortly after signing the declaration, he was elected the new state assembly and chosen its speaker. When he left Philadelphia to take his seat in the state legislature at Princeton, his farm, his livestock, his gristmills, his property were all destroyed by mercenaries. Because of these hardships, Hart's wife had become ill and died. Upon hearing the British were searching for him, Hart eluded them by hiding in the forest and sleeping in caves. His children were forced to hide and seek refuge with family and friends. This terrible turn of event took its toll on Hart. His own health started to fail. And on May 11, 1779, at the age of 68, John Hart died. His death came three years after he signed the Declaration of Independence. You see, freedom is not free. The last point, the price of freedom is personal restraint. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Not only do do we do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love to serve one another. You see, some are not willing to pay that price. They want to do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it. First Peter 2 said, you are not slaves, you are free. But your freedom is not an excuse to do evil. You see, liberty is not a license to do whatever you want to do. Liberty is freedom from restriction. Reduced only so far as necessary for the safety and the well-being of society. You are not free to do anything you want to do. You say, but I have freedom of speech. Yes, you do. But you don't have the freedom to stand up in here and yell fire if there's no fire and cause a mass exit to get people hurt. You'll be punished. You'll be imprisoned. You say, well, I have the freedom to say that. You see, I have the right. I have the freedom to swing my fist. But my freedom stops At your nose. I have the freedom to swing it. But I don't have the freedom to let it connect with you. Because if I do, then I'm punished. But people say, well, I I can do anything I want to. It doesn't affect anybody. Listen, you don't have the license. A license is an unbounded, excessive, unrestrained, irresponsible freedom with no regard for the good of others. You see, freedom has limitations. It has boundaries. Yes, I have freedom of speech. 
But I shouldn't use it to hurt people. I shouldn't use it to lie. I shouldn't use it to criticize. I should use it for good. Amen? I have the freedom to own a gun. I got the freedom to carry a gun. And now we have the license, the freedom to get a license to carry a gun. But I don't have the freedom to just shoot you because I don't like what you're wearing. I know some folks should be shot, but... (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. You see... We have the right in the, the, the we have a right to bear arms. We have a right to protect ourselves. There's the castle law now. See, used to you could have a gun in your home. And if someone broke into your home, they were breaking in your house, you had to sit right there and wait till they got inside, then you could shoot them in self-defense and you were fine. No more. Now we have the castle rule. The castle rule says if they're anywhere on your property and they're threatening your physical, if you shoot them. It's in self-defense. You're not held liable. You can also carry a gun in your car because your car is an extension of your house. I know we hear about all about this stuff going on and the the problems with the shootings in churches and all that kind of stuff, and it's a horrible tragedy. It happened. You say, Pastor, what if it happened here? Could it? Yes, it could. You say, Pastor, what would happen if someone pulled a gun out in here? Well, first of all, there's people all over this church carrying guns and they would get shot from every angle. And they'd go, man, I wish I wouldn't have messed with the Lord's house. Now, I pray to God that never happens. But do know there are people here that are here to protect you. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, Pastor, now that they've passed that law that you can carry openly, do you want us to start carrying openly? I said, no, please don't. (laughs) Last thing I want is us up here worshiping the altar with somebody with a big 45 strapped on their side. So, we're not carrying openly. But if you do, you cannot carry an illegal weapon. If you're not licensed, you cannot bring a weapon anywhere. But if you... See, the law says if you have permission from the pastor. So, I'm giving my permission. If you are a concealed handgun License holder, yes, you can carry that here in the church. So that's my legal spiel. So now it's not illegal for you to carry it in the church. That's the law. Um, let's close. Let's finish up. You see, love puts limits on our actions. That's why he said. He says, uh, but freedom is not an excuse to do evil. Should we do evil just because we have the freedom? No. He said that we love one another. Love puts limits on our actions and our behaviors. But see, Satan wants to tempt us to practice our license, to do anything we want to, to do our own thing, be our own boss, live my own life. It doesn't matter what anybody says. I'm free. I don't care what God says. I don't care what God's word says. I don't care what God's law says. I'll do what I want to do. You can. But the Bible says that every man will stand before God and give an account for what he does. And when a nation, as long as our nation was upholding the rights of God, I mean, we're a nation, we have the laws, and we've got the Ten Commandments, and you're still free to break them if you want to, but if you do, there's consequences. 
But what's happening is little by little, we're taking away the Ten Commandments. We're taking away God's Word. And now we're sanctioning sin. And we're saying what was wrong is not wrong. And that's where the church and the world's got a conflict. It was a sad day when our Supreme Court tried to change the definition of marriage. But what do we do? Remember what I said earlier? We love what God loves and we hate what God hates. What do we hate? Sin. We hate unrighteousness. We hate the devil destroying people's lives. But what do we love? People. So are people welcome in the Lord's house? Are homosexuals welcome in the Lord's house? Are sinners welcome in the Lord's house? Is anybody welcome in the Lord's house? Yes, here to hear the word of God, to tell them that we love you, that this is a lifestyle. The Bible clearly states, Old Testament and New Testament, that it's an abomination to God. But he also says, amen, that there's forgiveness and there's restoration and it's not unpardonable sin. But what's a problem is when a nation tries to say and overturn God's word. So we're living in a bad day. We're living in a day that we're going to have to stand up for right and wrong. But I'm going to tell you, church, be careful how you stand. Make sure you stand in love. Make sure you don't try to use your license. Well, bless God. And use your license to hate. And use your license to spew all kind of ungodliness. Make sure, amen, that we stand up for what's right, but we stand on love and mercy and grace. Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son for everybody. Second Peter says, Don't brag about ourselves with empty, foolish, boasting with lustful desires that bait, amen, that lure us back into sin. Amen. We must not do, allow sin to come and to get our sin. He said, Don't be entangled again. Don't fall for that junk the devil's trying to get you to fall for. Stand up in righteousness. One more. Richard Stockton was born 1730 in New Jersey. He inherited an extensive tract of land covering 6,400 acres. He struggled at his first towards reconciliation between the colonies in Britain. However, he soon became active in efforts to organize opposition to the crown on June the 21st, 1776. He was chosen to be a member of the Continental Congress. Although quiet during the opening debates for independence... By the close of discussion, he had expressed his agreement with the final vote with a short but energetic speech. On September the 26th, 1776, Stockton and George Clymer were appointed to inspect the army. On his return home, he found the British advancing and Stockton moved his family to Monmouth, to the home of John Coverhoven. Stockton was betrayed to the enemy and both Stockton and Coverhoven were dragged from their beds at night and taken to the common prison in New York. Stockton was treated with brutality that seriously affected his health. His home was plundered. His library, which was one of the best in the country, was burned by the British. His lands were laid waste. Stockton was set free, but when he was exchanged for a British officer held by uh, by our army. However, he never regained his health and his fortune was greatly diminished by the devastation of his property and he was forced to accept aid from his friends. The indignities and suffering left him broke and a humiliated man. He remained an invalid until he died on February 28, 1781. 
Why? Because freedom is not free. All of these men who signed their names, who said, yes, we'll be a part. Little by little, the enemy, amen, came in and tried to destroy every one of them. I'm telling you, amen, these here that came today, these are going to be baptized in just a few minutes. And guys, y'all can go ahead and, pastor, y'all go ahead and go back and get dressed and get ready. Uh, But these guys that are here today, don't ever think, when they accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, when they decided to let their names be written, amen, in the Lamb's Book of Life, when they decided to follow Christ, amen, don't think it was easy. And the enemy from that moment comes and tries, amen, to entangle them again with the yoke of bondage. Every person in here, when you got saved, amen, the enemy started that day to try to take your freedom from you again. So, well, if I can't take them, if I can't get them back in sin, then I'll just get them in legalism. Then I'll just get them into criticism. I'll just get them into bitterness. I'll just get them into into fussing and fighting between the churches. I'll just get them. He'll try to take your freedom every angle, everywhere he can. But I'm here to tell you today, whom the Son is set free is what? Free indeed. You see, though we honor those who died to bring us liberty, only Jesus truly sets us free. What does He set us free from? He sets us free from sin. He sets us free from fear. He sets us free from condemnation. He sets us free. Amen. He calls us to freedom, to responsibility. Amen. To be moral, to be free. He sets us free this morning to make our own choice. Aren't you glad that God, He didn't make us all robots? He gave us a choice. We dedicated this baby today and said, Lord, one day she's going to get a choice. And we pray her choice will be Christ. But he doesn't force us to love him. He doesn't force us to serve him. He doesn't force us to accept him. He gives us a choice. That's what freedom is about. But when we choose him, when we choose to believe him or not, we choose to trust him or not, we choose to obey him or not, we choose to let him govern our life through his word and through his spirit. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom. It's amazing. The more people try to be free to the sin, the more in bondage they become. But the more you allow the Spirit to rule in your life, the more restraint you hold, the more you allow the Holy Spirit to keep you. People say, well, that's just too many rules and regulations. If you got in a submarine and you went down to the bottom of the ocean, the pressure is so strong, I mean, it 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 could literally crush And so you're in that submarine and you look around and you go, you know what, this this just ain't fair. It just ain't right. I don't like it. I want to be free. And so you open the hatch and you get out. What's your freedom going to cost you? (laughs) You're going to be crushed instantly. You see, that submarine, it's not restricting you. It's protecting you. God's word, God's rules and regulations, those ten commandments that encapsulate our life that we live by, they're not restricting you, they're protecting you. Freedom isn't cheap. 
Freedom isn't free. It costs Jesus his life. And having paid the price, he paid the full price. He offers salvation as a free gift to all that make him Lord of their life. But don't think that this salvation that we enjoy so free, that we can just confess our sins and ask God to forgive us, and He washes every thought, every word, every action, He washes it away. And you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Don't think that's cheap and it's free. It cost his life. But because he was willing to give it, today he's willing to extend to you the free gift of salvation. You'll never truly be free until you say yes to Jesus. Because it's your sin that keeps you enslaved. But it's when you confess your sin that he sets you free. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed today. I know this is just, it's been a message about our country. It's been a message about our freedom. It's been a history lesson. But it's just to tell you that there's been a price paid. And we've got to stand up. And we've got to keep fighting for our freedom. And we've got to stand up. Don't let the devil enslave you again. You're saved by grace. It's not your works. It's not what you can do or what you can't do. It's not how you look or how much money you have. It's about God's grace. Serve Him with all of your heart. When you fail, get back up and confess your sin. And by this, they'll know you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. Let's not use our freedom to hurt others. But let's use it to bring others to true freedom. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I live in America, but I'm not truly free. I'm enslaved to sin. Habits and addictions. If I were to die today, I'm not 100% sure I would die and go to heaven. But today I realize that there was a great price paid for my freedom. And today I can receive it as a free gift. Today I need Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I'm ready to commit my heart and my life to Him. I want to use this freedom to help others. Pray for me. I'm ready to give my heart and my life to Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over this building. Is there one that would raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. All over this building. We want to be free. We don't want to be enslaved by sin any longer. Would you just pray with me right where you're at? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe you came 
And you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again. And I believe you're coming back again. Today, I choose to make Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior. I confess all of my sins. And I ask Jesus to forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my friend. Thank you for freedom. Thank you. I'm set free from sin. I'm born again. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for each person, Lord, today who's made this declaration, their declaration of independence. Today, they have been set free from sin and death. And I thank you, Lord, today that you live in their heart. And I pray that you would just raise them up. Lord, to be a a, a light, to be an example. And Lord, they would use their freedom, not to sin, but they would use their freedom to go out and love others and to bring them into the freedom and the knowledge of Christ Jesus. I just thank you, Lord, today that heaven is rejoicing with these who have made this commitment. And I thank you, Lord, today that there's those who have already made this commitment and today they want to make that commitment public by being baptized. You said repent and be baptized. And I thank you today, Lord, as these come down into these waters that this is a turning point. And, Lord, they'll never be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said a big amen. Oh, come on, give Jesus a big hand clap. Hallelujah. They, they're going to sing and these, these guys are coming in to get me baptized and then I'll dismiss you. Sing it with us today. How great then sings my soul, my Savior, to Thee. How great Thou art. How Rolando Rodriguez, Araceli Rodriguez, and my daughter Kayla de Campos. Amen. And uh, we're going to call Rolando, please. And you don't let them be so nervous. You yes. <laughs> say yes. 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 Rolando, you, you have been received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And uh, you want to follow him through the water baptized today. How great, 
today, but I want you to do it in Hebrew. The, the same that we do every day. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord calls His face to shine upon thee and be gracious to thee. The Lord lift up His counsels and give thee peace. Amen. But I want you to hear it in its original language. God bless you. We'll see you on Wednesday night and uh, see you next Sunday morning. Shalom.